Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. So today we're starting a new series called Every, uh, All Day, Every Day, and it's really, a, I'm talking about finding rhythm for your life, and it's a study on the book of James, and this is our first week. There's going to be a number of weeks on this book, probably, uh, depending on where I go with it, eight to seven to ten weeks, probably, as we walk through the book of James. But as we begin today, let me ask you a question here. Um, what's your routine, what's your, what's routine, what routine do you have in your life? What does your routine look like? What was your routine when you woke up this morning? Let me ask you that question. My routine normally, just kind of spur this along a little bit, my routine usually is I love to have a cup of coffee and I like to have a piece of toast. And that's kind of how I start my day off usually. I broke my routine today because I stopped at the donut shop, so I had coffee and a donut. So it's a little bit too much sugar in my stomach right now. I can feel that. So I'm a little bit out of routine. But what's your routine? What, what, do, what does every day look like to you? As a Christian... Life is about finding a rhythm in our faith. It's really a rhythm in our faith as we follow Jesus. I looked up the word rhythm, and I thought this was interesting because I was really, this is kind of where I'm, as I wrote, read through James, I kept on thinking, you know what, there's something there as, as, as a regular thing that James is trying to lead us to, and it's really trying to find a pattern, a rhythm for our life. And as I looked up the word rhythm, rhythm is a strong, regular repeated pattern. A strong, regular, repeated pattern. And I started to think, what would happen in our life if our faith became strong, regular, and repeated each and every day? Every day, all day. Guess what would happen in our life? Our life would be starting to change. In this new series, we're going to be studying the book of James. The book of James is a practical letter that can help us find rhythm New disciplines for our life. Many times the circumstances and the difficulties of this life are what takes a person out of the rhythm of their life. All of a sudden a trouble or a difficulty that you encounter and all of a sudden you're just going, oh, and you're out of rhythm. You're not in your normal routine of what God is calling us to do because we're focused, what? We're focused on the, on the incident. We're focused on, on a, a problem, on a difficulty, on a trouble. And then all of a sudden, we find ourselves thinking wrong thoughts. One of my worst ones is when I'm driving down the freeway and someone cuts me off and then they blame me and flip me off. That's one of my worst ones. I, I hate that one. And it takes, it used to, not near as much as it does now. Come on, walk with me here. It used to take me completely out of rhythm. I started thinking bad thoughts. I started thinking about bad actions. Yeah, ooh, pastor, exactly, that's exactly right. Ooh, pastor, what are you doing? But you know what? It can happen to the best of people. When we start focusing on our circumstances or when we start focusing on our trouble, it can take us, take us out of the rhythm of life. The book of James reminds us that healthy and godly practices will bring stability into your life. How many of you would like to have a little bit more stability in your life? It brings a rhythm into your life as we stay in step with what God desires for us. It's choosing to put our faith in God and not what is around us or the circumstances that are around us. This is what the first chapter of James is talking about. 
A little background on the book of James. The author of James is the half-brother of Jesus. And this letter was probably written around 44 to 49 A.D. And the reason that's significant is because this is probably the earliest book that was written in the New Testament is the book of James. James was writing this letter to Jewish believers who had been under tremendous persecution. And all of a sudden they're struggling spiritually because all of a sudden their focus is no longer on, on following after Jesus. Not that it's completely off of it, but they're struggling because of all the circumstances, the difficulties, the persecution that is around them. And James, in a very practical way, encourages the believers to get back on track and follow after Jesus. And he challenges their behaviors, he challenges their beliefs to get them back on track. James' focus on faith helps us produce godly actions. And that's what I want for all of us today. So let's dive deep into this first chapter of James and see what we can apply into our lives. And, and we're going to be in the first chapter of James. So if you have your Bibles here today, I encourage you to open them up. If, you have a, if it's on your phone, that's fine. But I will have ushers checking to make sure you're not looking at fantasy football. But uh, just... You can open up your phone and you can read your God's Word on that as well. But I encourage you, because I'm not going to read all the Scripture, and you can kind of look at that as I'm sharing today. But I want to begin with another couple questions. Does your life at times feel up and down? Unsettled. Shifting. If your life was a rubber band, is it so stretched that all of a sudden just one more it would just pop. It would break. I want us to look at James chapter 1, and I want us to be able to help us to find a little bit more stability into our lives. How we can build an unwavering faith that can endure through the most difficult of times or through the hardest troubles. We have a faith in Jesus, a faith in our God that will bring us through those storms, those difficulties. I want to begin today by reading James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for joy, for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. The first way that we uh, find greater stability into our life is by seeing opportunities. Seeing opportunities. James states an interesting thought. Consider it all joy when you come into trouble. Let's be real. When was the last time that you stepped into trouble or difficulties and you thought, oh, joy! What an opportunity. We normally don't do that. When we have a difficulty or we have a trouble or all of a sudden sickness comes upon us, we don't look at it as a joyous occasion. Yet James says, consider all troubles and difficulties as an opportunity and you need to see it as joy. Huh? How, can we, how, how does that happen? I have to tell you, this is not a quality for me. I shouldn't say it's not a quality. It's not a quality that I easily do. I have a tendency to be a thinker where I all of a sudden I see a problem, I see a difficulty, I, I look at it, and I see all the potential wrong of, I'm a critical thinker by nature. So I see something, oh, that's not going to work. 
You know what I'm saying? I don't know if there's any other critical thinkers. It's not necessarily negative. It's just that that's the way God built me. I have a tendency to think that way. Okay, it, it doesn't mean that I don't see an opportunity. When I see a problem, I say, okay, we can fix it this way. But I don't always look at it as an opportunity for joy. James says, guess what? We can look at it in a joyful way. Why joy? I want you to catch this thought. Because troubles give our lives an opportunity to shine. Things that come easy seldom come with a lot of joy. They may come with momentary happiness, but not necessarily with joy. Joy comes from knowing that God has helped you persevere through a situation and conquered a situation that was difficult in your life. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, he says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What Jesus is saying, you know what? If, you're, if you are persecuted on my behalf, guess what? Consider yourself blessed because I know I'm going to bring you through those circumstances, through those difficulties, through those troubles, and my glory will shine through you. Amen. It's an also another reminder for us that being in trouble, being persecuted, doesn't necessarily mean that you did anything wrong. I mean, maybe, maybe you could, but some people have a tendency, to, every time they get in trouble or anytime they get in a difficulty, well, I'm doing something wrong in my life. No, 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 no. That's not the case. If that was the case, I don't believe that James would ever say, consider it all joy. He doesn't want us to consider sin joy. Right? No. What he's saying is when you come into troubles and difficulties, that maybe you had nothing in a part of no, you, you didn't cause any of that. But guess what? If it's coming your way, consider it joy because it's an opportunity for my light to shine through your life. Notice in verse 2, James doesn't say, if, if troubles come your way. <laughs> yeah, James says, when troubles come your way. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Troubles will come your way. If you're here and you've never had a trouble in your life, I'd like for you to meet me out in the lobby afterwards because I just want to hang out with you for a while, okay? I just need to do that. So here's the question. What would happen in our life if we stopped feeling sorry for ourselves every time a difficulty or trouble came our way and we started seeing that trouble or that difficulty as an opportunity for God to work in our life? James says troubles present an opportunity for us to Grow. We just went through a whole grow series. That was our last series. Grow in what? Grow in the faith and the endur and endurance to grow spiritually. Good things can come out of difficult situations. We did, I, th I think it was a long game. We talked about the life of Joseph. If you haven't heard that, you can go back and listen to it. It's a long series, but we talked about the life of Joseph. And the life of Joseph, not Joseph... The, the, the father of Jesus, but Joseph that was in the Old Testament, the, the guy that wore the coat of many colors, he was sold into slavery by his brothers who hated him. He sold, they sold him out. And when you looked at his situation, he was abandoned. His father thought he was dead. He was abandoned by his brothers who did not love him. They hated him. He, was, he went into Egypt. Guess what? He was accused of adultery. He's thrown into prison. The baker and the butler became friends. He lost one. He gained another one because of dreams. He gets called in by Pharaoh and says, you need to interpret this dream that I had. And if he doesn't interpret this dream, it probably means death into his life. But God gives him the ability to interpret the dream. And you look at all of everything in his life. There was difficulty after difficulty after difficulty after trouble after trouble after trouble after trouble. But at the end of his life, when his brothers walk into his life and they're starving because there's, no, there's a famine in Egypt, 
And all of a sudden, Joseph, the light kicks on, and he starts to think, it's because of the troubles that I went through, I now have an opportunity for a joyous occasion because I'm going to be able to rescue my brothers and my father from starvation from this famine because God brought me through these troubles. I was thinking about it. If Joseph never had to walk through that with his faith to build that so he could grow, would God ever allowed him to be the second in command of all of Egypt? I think he had to endure through that. He had to walk through that so that he had the leadership qualities and abilities where he can lead Egypt through that, through that famine. I don't know where I'm at because I'm just going right now. Let me expound on uh, verse 2 of James 1. I like the ESV translation of verse 2 a little bit better. It states, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Some translation says, any, I know any can mean all as well, but I don't want you to miss this. It doesn't say some. If, it would, if God would have meant some, he said, count some as joy. He says all. All troubles and difficulties that come in your life, count it as an opportunity. Count it as all joy as an opportunity that you can use whatever situation to bring glory to God. Today I want to encourage us to start looking at our troubles through a different lens. Don't view them from a negative perspective. Let's view them as a positive opportunity, an opportunity for spiritual growth. What would happen if we changed our perspective? What would happen if we changed, kind of like my glasses, if I take my glasses off, I can still see you guys great. But I can't see my notes. So i got to put my glasses back on so I can see those. Notes. And it gives me a different perspective. There's times in our life I think that we have our human perspective on. And we see troubles and difficulties and struggles. And that's all we see. What happens if we took our glasses off and we put God's glasses on? The mind of Christ. I like that. The mind of Christ. And then all of a sudden instead of seeing troubles, I'm seeing opportunities. You know what, God could use me in here, and I can make a difference because the talents that God gave me. I could change, I can make, I can bring glory into the situation. We can start changing our, you know, I heard a saying the other day, which I thought was really good. It's hard to, it's hard to be a positive person with a negative mind. It's hard to be a positive person with a negative mind. We need to allow God to change our thinking, our direction. All day, every day, let's start seeing troubles as opportunities that are set before us. Amen? Amen. Let's continue reading verses 5 through 8 of James chapter 1. It says these words. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Another way that I want to share with you today about how we can find stability in our lives is to pray and believe. Pray and believe. James clearly defined, or tells us that if we need help, we are to ask. If you need wisdom, ask of God. 
Ask God for help in your situation. If you're having a hard time and you're into trouble, all of a sudden there's something, a difficulty comes your way, and you're thinking, man, Pastor Tom said on Sunday, he said I'm supposed to look at trouble, and I see the opportunity in the trouble. I'm going to have to call him because I don't see the opportunity in this trouble. The Bible says you can ask God. The Bible says ask for wisdom. We can ask for wisdom and say, Lord, I don't understand why this is happening to me. I don't understand why I got diagnosed with cancer. I don't think I did anything wrong. I don't, I don't understand why I'm going in a situation where I'm losing my job right now. I don't get it right now. Why is that happening? But God, I need wisdom. Show me where the opportunity is. Reveal to me where I can make a difference in this world. That's what we're called to do. That's what James is asking. And James states that God is generous and he will give you what you need. Many times when we pray about a difficult situation, we don't always pray to God as we should. Let me give you some insight in my life. I'm, I'm, as a pastor, I'm continually developing and changing. And you want to be thankful for that, okay? You don't want a pastor that seems the same. You want him growing as well. And in my life, you know, when a difficulty or trouble comes my way, how do we normally pray? Oh, Lord, remove this from me. Oh, Lord, God, take this from me. Lord, God, I can't, I don't want to deal with this. Think about this. If God removed every difficulty from your life, you would never mature or grow in your faith. As a parent... I have three kids, wonderful kids. One of my children, Brett, right here, not a child, man, sits here in front, led worship with us today. The other two are up in Seattle. When they were little, which was a while back, but when they were little, guess what? I didn't solve all their problems for them. When a difficulty or trouble came into their life, there was many times I let them walk through that trouble or difficulty in their life. In fact, I would say if I always went behind them and solved everything that, every trouble that came into their life, guess what? That would be cruel. It's like the parent that does the homework for the child every single day. That child never has done homework in their life because the mom just wants to get it all done for them and say, I'm going to help my son. You're not helping. You know what I'm saying? You're actually setting them behind. God would be cruel if he took every problem and every difficulty out of our life. When we have to walk through difficulty, when we have, guess what? Our faith grows in knowing who God is, and he's going to bring us through that difficulty and that struggle, and we continue to grow in life. Wrestling, with, wrestling in life sometimes is not a bad thing. Amen. Now, for my kids, I was always there if they needed help. I never abandoned any of them. I never left them. If they truly needed me and asked me, I was there for them. Guess what? You have a heavenly father. If you're ever in need, James says, ask. James says, ask. Ask. Come on. You see, difficulties can be a catalyst that will open doors to good things. Just like Joseph's difficulties opened up good things in his life. God took what was meant for evil and he used it for good. Look at what verse 6 says again. In James chapter 1, it states, when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Basically, James is saying, have confidence in God. Believe that God will bring you through it. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 8, he shares with us what an effective prayer looks like. He says, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. 
Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, guess what? The door will be opened. This is a promise that Jesus gives us. He gives it to those who are following after him. It's a promise that we can hold on to. The key to overcoming difficulties is choosing to put your faith in God and choosing not to give up. If you want, some of you guys are, come on now. No one has troubles in this, in this room? I might be per- preaching to a perfect group here today. Wow. The key to overcoming difficulties is choosing to put your faith in God and choosing not to give up. It's choosing to believe. In verses 6 through 8, James specifically addresses where instability comes from. Listen to what he says, where instability comes from. Instability comes from a person who doubts or who is double-minded. They waver. They vacillate. They hesitate. Have you ever been with a, someone that, I, I love to have control when, I, when I'm driving. I have a hard time riding with somebody else, you know, in the, in, in the, because I've been in where they're wavering. Have you ever been in a car where, that wavers? It doesn't stay in its lane. It just makes you nervous. Or a driver who hesitates. Like they're at a stop sign, they're about ready, and they stop it. And my life flashes before my eyes. I'm going, I pray more times in a car than any other time when I'm not behind the wheel. I know I'm a control freak. I get all that. I understand all that. But guess what? This is what James is talking about is that when you pray, believe. Don't hesitate. Don't waver. Don't vacillate. Put your trust in God and believe that God will answer your prayers. What are people wavering between? They're wavering between belief and unbelief. Think about that thought. They're wavering between God and their circumstances. James compares it to a wave that is driven by the wind. It has no control over its destiny. The wind is pushing that wave. Wherever it's going to be destined, that's where it's going. James is calling like troubles, difficulties in our life can push us into a direction that we have no control of unless we're willing to put our faith and our belief in Jesus Christ. Many people have allowed their troubles to become their destiny. Wherever their troubles go, that's their destiny. They say they have faith in God, but it's their troubles in life that actually drives them. The troubles in their life have become more real to them. Catch this. The troubles in their life have become more real to them than the God that they serve. We'll just let it marinate a little bit. If you're watching us online, just let that marinate with you for a little bit. Troubles have no stability. They are like the wind that pushes the waves. You have a hard time finding footing in them. There's just nothing stable to them. You cannot allow troubles to dictate your life. you got to believe and put your faith in Jesus Christ. James writes, don't be double-minded. Don't have divided loyalty. And Jesus says it this way, which I believe this parable is such a beautiful parable that Jesus gives us in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. He says, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house upon solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds their house on the sand. I feel sorry for all those people that have their house in San Clemente on that sand right there. No, I'm just saying. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house... It will collapse like a mighty crash. When we ask God for help, we need to believe it. 
It's our belief in God that will give us the stability to see us through the storm. All day, every day, we need to live a life and pray and believe. James also reminds us in verses 9 through 11 that we shouldn't put our trust in riches. This is an interesting statement. Because when you're reading James, if you've ever read the first chapter of James, all of a sudden it just seems like all of a sudden James changes subjects. And all of a sudden he just starts to talk about the rich and the poor. And we're going like, where are you going? I don't believe he changed the subject. I believe he's still on subject. I believe what he's sharing with us today is what, we ha- what happens in our life so many times is that we have a tendency if we are rich. And if you're sitting in this room and you live in America, you are rich Amen. compared to most of the rest of the world. Amen. But when you are rich, what happens, we start putting our trust into our riches or into our wealth or into our money. And I don't talk about money a lot, but I think this is a good opportunity just for a second. We start putting trust in our money instead of putting trust in God. We start seeing money as our resource instead of seeing God as our resource. If you don't believe me that this is true, this is the whole story of the rich young ruler. When, Jesus, when the rich young ruler came to Jesus, he says, you know, how do I enter in the kingdom of heaven? I've told this story many times. And, and Jesus says, do this, do that. And he says, I've done all those things. And he's, all of a sudden Jesus says this. He says, and I don't think, don't go and sell all that you have and give it. Just follow me on this. Jesus knew something was going on. Now, if God tells you to do it, do it. Jesus knew something was going on in the heart of this man. He says, go, and tell, go sell all your possessions and give it to the poor. And then come follow me. All of a sudden, Jesus put him in a crux or in a crisis mode right there. Why? Because he had divided loyalty. His loyalty was divided. His loyalty, in fact, wasn't really that divided. It was more for riches. Because all of a sudden, he, it says in the Bible that he went away sad. Why? Because he put his trust in his riches instead of putting his trust in God. My wife and I, over the last 25 years, we have been tithing, we've been giving faithfully. We give, we give, we give, we give, we give. Over and over and over, we give. More than, our, more than 10% of our income. I'm not, I'm not sharing this to... What I want to share, and I want don't give, don't allow money right now. Stop it. If you're thinking, man, Pastor Tom is just trying to get, stop that thought right now in Jesus' name. I don't want you to go there. Listen to what I'm saying. Because what happens, I think the enemy puts that thought in your mind, and all of a sudden he steals away the truth that is trying to be said, shared right here. It's a good word right there. What happens in our life is this. We start putting our trust in our riches. But when I give... When I go, I can give. It doesn't look like I can give, but I can give. All of a sudden, my trust no longer is in my riches or my wealth. My trust starts to become in God, that God is my resource. And when all of a sudden I start understanding that God is my resource, God is able to bless me more abundantly than ever before because guess what? I am willing to give out of my resources, which are God's, they're not mine anyhow. And I'm able to bless others. I'm able to bless the kingdom of God. And guess what? I am not, I, my loyalty is not divided. It's 100% for God all day, every day. That was no extra cost for that word right there. So that's just free. So don't, if you're thinking right, don't give today. I'm telling you, don't. If that's in, I better give because don't give. When is the last time a pastor said don't give? Is that heresy or something? But what I'm saying is I want you to give out of a generous heart. I want you to give out of abundance. I want, to give out, I want you to give out of the love that you have for the Heavenly Father. That's what I'm trying to say. 
Sometimes I don't say it always the best way, but that's what I'm trying to get out. James says this, those who are poor have something to boast about. What does a poor person have to boast about? Have you ever thought about that? Isn't that kind of a weird statement? But think of it this way. Riches can be another distraction in your life. It can create another temptation where loyalty is divided. Many people struggle with that. And guess what? A poor person doesn't have that divided loyalty because they don't have it. They can keep seeing God as their main resource. That's what James is trying to share in this story. It's a great reminder for each and every one of us. Just as Jesus warned in his parable, don't build your house in the sand. Because one day that house will collapse. Only those who build their house on the rock will have something that will last. I challenge you all day, every day, keep your faith in God alone. Because here's the scenario. It's fun to have things. It's fun to have money. It's fun to have riches. It's fun. All those things. I have a house. I have two cars. I have money in the savings account. I have a 401k. I have different things that we've been, we've been, so there's nothing wrong with that as long as it doesn't have you. That's the key to it, is that we continue to give out and give to God and let God continue to bless our lives. Finally, I want to conclude by looking at verse 12 of James chapter 1. I know some of you got, finally he's concluding. It's okay. Stop looking at your fantasy football. James chapter 1 verse 12 says this. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. I don't know about you, but I am looking forward to the crown of life. I'm looking forward to the reward that God has for me. The last thought I want to share with you about how you can find stability in your life is by being faithful and endure. To endure means more than just to exist. So many times when I read that word, or maybe you read that word, and you read endure, you think, well, it's just, I'm just going to exist. It doesn't mean that. The Greek word translated in endure in, in your translation, it could be steadfast or persevere, depending on the translation that, that you are reading. But if you actually look at the Greek word, it's interesting. What it, The main translation for that word is to stay behind. To stay, not to, to stay behind. It's the same Greek word that the Apostle Paul uses when he writes to Timothy. His kind of intern that he's pouring into. 2 Timothy 2.10. He says, so I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation, eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. Let me read it another way. So I am willing, I am willing to stay behind if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. Meaning this, what James I think is trying to bring apart. Our life here on earth has one purpose. Kind of two, but one one purpose with two subpoints. Kind of like what I do. Love God, bring glory to God, and love others. We're to shine God's love to others. When we overcome the testings and the temptations of this world, guess what we do? We bring glory to God. Our His love is reflected through our life. It's why the Apostle Paul. When he was coming to the end of his life, and he was struggling because he was tired. He'd worked hard. I mean, he'd planted churches. He'd been like in two or three shipwrecks. He'd been beaten multiple times. 
for the, all for the cause of Christ. He's been jailed more times than I don't think that you could count on. He was probably in the, I think he was in the Roman prison at this time when he writes these words. He says, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. What is Paul writing in that? I want you to think about that, that whole idea of waiting, enduring. What Paul was saying, you know, sometimes life can be hard. I love it when life is awesome, when it's great. Come on, then we can party time. We have fun as Christians and fellowship one another. It's awesome. But when troubles and difficulties come our way, those can be hard. But for the Apostle Paul, he came to the place where he's literally in prison, ready, waiting to be beheaded. I mean, that's really the whole story about Paul here at the end. But he says, you know what? To live is Christ. He knew that if he died, it'd be all the game because that's when you're going to get the crown of life. But he says, right now, to live is Christ. What does he mean? It's meaning that I am waiting until that time comes. I'm going to endure through that process because I know right now as I continue to live, guess what? There is glory that's going to shine through my life to others so I can make a difference in this world because I can show God's love to as many people as possible as long as I remain here on this earth. Did you catch it? It's good. It's a good thought for all, each and every one of us. You see, God blesses faithfulness. So our challenge today, because I'm going to have a challenge, not every week, but several weeks, I'm going to have a challenge for all of us. I want us, if we really want to find stability in our life, I want us to change our thinking a little bit. So here's what we, write these three things down, I hope you already wrote them down. See opportunities. See that which is negative as an opportunity actually that is positive. Pray and believe Believe that God is going to be able to bring you through that situation. And the third one is, be faithful and endure because you are God's light in the darkness. Be faithful and endure, not just for your own sake, but for the understanding that you are God's light in the darkness of this world. Amen? Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that your word is powerful and effective and it changes us. I thank you, Lord God, as first chapter of James where James is trying to show us how to have more stability in our life when he's writing to Jewish Christians who are being persecuted and they're wavering. God, I pray when we start to waver, we would understand, Lord God, that we can count it as all joy when we face troubles and tribulation because it's an opportunity for your power, Lord God, to shine through our life. When people can see that, you know what, we don't have to accept the trouble, we don't have to accept the difficulty, we can walk through it with the strength of Jesus Christ. You're going to bring us through. God, I pray that you would show each and every one of us this week that truth in our lives. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.